Hello, and welcome to the Ecological Sensibilities Project, a podcast where we explore the different ways people think and feel about the environment. Throughout this series, I'll be talking to a variety of people from different backgrounds, seeking to get a sense of the ways in which they interrelate with the natural world, as well as trying to pick up from them how that relationship might have changed over the course of their lives. Although throughout the series we'll be discussing with individuals how they think and feel about the environment, the project itself is rooted in a wider sociological approach that seeks to understand how these thoughts and feelings are themselves shaped and generated by the vastly different contexts within which human individuals live their lives. As we listen to each conversation, therefore, the challenge is not just to appreciate the expression of a unique point of view, but rather to tune in to the wider social and historical forces that make such a view possible. The world is changing, and so are people's thoughts and feelings about the environment. The Ecological Sensibilities Project seeks to dip in and take a litmus test of these kind of movements. So, um, I grew up in Brighton. I was born here as well, and I've lived here um, the majority of my life. In this first episode, we talk to Dawn Edgar. Dawn is a holistic therapist who lives on the south coast of England, and for this conversation, we met in her work studio at the bottom of her garden. I'm from a long line of people that have been born and raised locally. Yeah, so, um, great great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents all born in the Sussex area, yes, so I've got a big family. In the interview we touch upon issues of grief, of loss, of the effect of one's relationship with money, as well as talking about childhood experiences and how certain ways of seeing, of thinking and of feeling can get lost through the circumstances that life brings. We also consider how these things can strangely re-emerge in our experience. In the latter part of the conversation, we move towards talking about Dawn's recent training as a shamanic practitioner and the effect that that has had on her ways of thinking and feeling about her relationship with other living things. I begin by asking Dawn about her local family. My father is one of five children and my mum's got a brother as well, so lots of cousins, lots of aunties and uncles, grandparents no longer with us. Um, but yeah, lots of family, brothers and sisters. Yeah, and I traced back my family tree and I think it was my eighth great-grandmother on my maternal side that was also born. Everyone was born in Sussex, going wow. back eight generations. Yeah, wow. so... So you've got... Strong links strong to roots. this land. Yeah. Yes, yeah. massively. Yeah, yeah. great. Yeah. Um, so do you work? Are you working at the moment? Yeah, um, I'm... If so, what do you do? I'm a, I'm a holistic <laughs> therapist... And I have been um, full-time for the last four years. Um, I Part-time a little bit longer than that. But properly, you know, as a professional holistic therapist for the last four years. Um, and those therapies include body massage, reflexology, aromatherapy, healing. Um, and um, recently... Um, decided to train to become a shamanic practitioner yeah, as well. Right. So yeah, I'm very lucky that I can work from the end of my garden uh, in a pod at the end of the garden. So it all works very well. And yeah. how did you find your way into into all of that line of work? Yeah. So um, <clears throat> it started um, nine years ago, ten years ago. Um, there, I had a sudden bereavement. Someone very dear to me passed away tragically and yeah. very suddenly, and her passing um, caused a huge evaluation of life. Really, my life choices, the meaning in my life. Yeah, because. Prior to what I do now, I was working in a very corporate environment. I'd um, left university <clears throat> and I didn't use my degree. I didn't use my languages. Um, and I went straight into working for a business. 
mm. and did that for quite a few years and um, even having children I stayed stayed corporate and um, wasn't particularly fulfilled mm. but it worked you know it was within what my was comfort the business zone. that you were so the okay. the when I left university it was like a specialist cleaning company it was my dad's yeah. business actually it was just a nice convenient step really to just yeah. I felt like I needed to develop my office skills actually so that was the reason and I thought I'd just develop that kind of side of mm. my CV have a bit of kind of office experience but I just ended up staying and I became um, qualified in human resource management yeah so working with people um, and I did a lot of finance management as well so a book you know what bookkeeping and kind of management accounts and then um, stayed there for quite a few years in my dad's company and worked my way up and even when I had children I stayed although I did have a small shift over to another corporate business that was um, IT development software mm. development and I stayed in that company for quite a few years as well but that company actually folded and um, I then became freelance like human resource kind of services mm. so I was doing that when Gabrielle was her name when she passed yes and um, it just made me rethink everything really yeah and um, just decided that I needed to do something meaningful. Yeah. Something that um, was fulfilling, something yeah. that made a difference. So I started um, with training to become a Reiki practitioner. That was, yeah, nine years ago. And I kept it very quiet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, um, and because it's very different so I'd yeah. had this entire life of having a life that was you know you go to work yeah. you do your hours this is what you do you come home and so stepping away from that was almost like a you know it was more than just a career change it was like almost a stepping into myself kind of thing really yes. yeah for the first time and so I started with the Reiki and kept it very quiet and only kind of did treatments with friends and family and um, continued working, doing bookkeeping yeah. and HR kind of services. So you're living two lives. Yeah, living two lives. Absolutely. <laughs> I was. I yeah. really was because yeah. I didn't tell anyone. So I was like, shh, no, don't tell anyone. Quiet, quiet, quiet. And um, then... Um, just kept it like that for a few years actually mm -hmm. and then um, I went on a healing weekend myself and there was a shamanic practitioner there and a holistic therapist and a psychotherapist and it was this incredible weekend and it was pivotal for me in that I just decided from that weekend that I wanted to actually do it professionally yes. you know to really take it seriously so I came home from that healing weekend and um, booked my, enrolled myself into college and I did reflexology and then I did aromatherapy and then other courses and just yeah. added added to what I wanted to offer. And then, as I said before, a couple of years, well, it, it was, yeah, I applied to do shamanic practitioner training and um, had to go on a long waiting list. But because of COVID, lots of people had to withdraw mm. so there was a space that came up a year early and I decided to go for it yeah and that's coming up two years ago and it's taken two years to do that course and do all you, through lockdown yeah do you feel you know looking back on how you were and yourself you know 10 years ago 15 mm. years ago or whatever mm. and yourself today mm. do you feel that you are a fundamentally different person or the same person <laughs> yeah, or <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I mean I think who I am now was always within me yeah but um life experience and becoming older maybe and just being more confident to be myself fully mm. has enabled rather than this person who was just within me 10 15 years ago 
that person now fills my body. Mm. That person fills mm. my skin and mm. I'm full of me rather than just a mm. piece inside. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. So back in the corporate world, that self was still there, but they were enclosed or yeah. restricted in some absolutely. way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Hidden away. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was all the work that I do now when I I was always interested even at university I, I did a summer school module on alternative therapies complementary mm. therapies so even you know as a 19 20 year old I was always really interested mm. um, but it was just something that I and I just did that for fun <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> and but it was something that other people did that's how I saw it other yes. people did massage other people did that kind of healing work yeah. you know not me yeah. I could never allow myself to believe I think it was probably just self-esteem and all the stuff that can be a real block yeah to pursuing the things that are you know you're you're interested in yeah but um yeah it it happened it did happen in the end and I think um yeah although bereavement and grief is horrendous it can be a trigger for positive change yeah you know and i feel like that's that's what happened yeah and what was it about that that loss the loss of your friend that specifically what was it that you then questioned what why was it a point of kind of change for you in the sense that you know the sudden loss of somebody close to you how did that catch you up because, short in some ways because i realized that life life is so precious and it can end you know death does not discriminate yeah <laughs> it, it can happen to anybody and she died premature she was only 41 when she passed yeah. and she'd left two children behind and um at the time of her passing i had a daughter and i was pregnant with my son and um I think just that sudden and premature passing was a shock and I just thought I can't waste time. Mm. And also it was like a testament to her life. I didn't want to waste mine. Mm. Mm. She didn't have her life. Yeah. In the full yeah. extent of yeah. it. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. I didn't wanna I didn't wanna throw mine away yeah. really it wasn't throwing it away but I, I wanted to make the most of it you know yeah it, it for myself but also because I knew that she couldn't yeah you know so in one way like her passing made you realize your the own brevity like the shortness yeah. of your own life yeah. yeah yeah but also that because of your friendship with her that you felt a responsibility to live your life for the full because her life was yeah. cut short in some way. Is that yeah. right? And yeah. everybody else. I that's yeah. that's also what drives me hugely in my work as well. Mm. I want I mm. want other people to be able to live fully mm. too. Mm. You know because I you know, as you've just said, you know, I know it can be brief and yeah. life can be cut short. And I want, and, and that's a huge driver for wanting to do this kind of work. I mm. want people to live fully, mm. yeah, with meaning, mm. yeah. And do you feel like you're living fully? I do, actually. Yeah. yeah. More than ever. Yeah. More than ever before, whatever, you know, however much that is, I don't know. But more than before, I feel like I'm more myself than I've ever been mm. and more in control and more aware and more open to learn and more calm mm -hmm. more at peace yeah than yeah. ever before however much that is i don't know <laughs> yeah but that's amazing yeah. to be able yeah. to yeah say that with such clarity and to be able to yeah i think that's the other thing that. that happens though you get the gratitude yeah like losing someone so so young <clears throat> you you're so grateful i'm so grateful yeah. You know, I've got my children. You know, I'm older now than she'll ever be. Mm. I'll always be older than her, you mm. know. Mm. And um, I'm so grateful 
Mm. And I think that's the other thing that comes at some point. I know it's different. People's stories with grief, their journey with grief is different. But I'm and I'm I'm grateful that I can be grateful because mm. I know mm. that that's not always a place that people can get to easily. Yes. When with loss. So yeah, great gratitude yeah. <laughs> makes a huge difference too. Yeah, yeah, grateful, really yeah. grateful. That's mm. amazing. <laughs> um, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna shift the conversation a little bit. So you know that the purpose of talking today is um, to talk about ecological sensibilities, and mm. that um, <clears throat> and it's really amazing the the descriptions that you've given already of how your life has changed and transformed over this period of time that you've been describing. Um, and I wonder if you could reflect a little bit as well within that about how um, your ecological sensibility, so I'm, I'm using that phrase as the kind of, um, you know, the ways that we think and act towards the environment or towards other species towards other living things you know that are, that are part of the the planet that we live on um and the ways in which we kind of act towards mm. you know those other things and i would just wonder if you could reflect on how that side of your self has perhaps changed over the last few years as well mm. would you would you say that when you grew up for instance you were an environmentally conscious person mm. you know in the years that you went to university and then you were in the corporate world were you would you say that you had an environmental kind of consciousness during that period would you say that you're environmentally conscious today mm. um in you know whatever mm. whatever that means mm. um and whether those things have changed for you over the years i know yeah. that's a really big question no, but, but you've dived right into telling us about you know the ways in which mm. you know life has changed for you over mm. the years and i wonder whether you could talk a little mm. bit about how yeah. that relates to those side of things as a as a young girl i loved animals mm. so my interest was i didn't have an awareness so much of the planet but definitely with animals I used to bird watch in my back garden I had dogs and cats and rabbits and chinchillas in my bedroom I we had Avery I, big animal lovers in our house yeah huge animal lovers we had a pond with fish so I had a big connection with other living things yeah yeah and that was and I became a vegetarian from a really young age okay and back in the 80s that was not common you know yeah yeah <laughs> it was not it yeah. was not common um did that cause you to stand out from your friends yeah at all? it did a little bit it did a little bit but i had but my dad was a huge influence on my love of nature that my mum and dad were both keen gardeners so you know growing up with people um with parents that you know, really cared for their plants and really looked after the garden and loved yes. it when a flower bloomed and, you know, had cactuses that would only bloom every 12, you know, so yeah. every 12 years, <laughs> you know. And so I had, my dad especially was a nature lover, so that was a huge influence. And I had a cousin that was hugely... Um, into animals as well so I did have key people around me that influenced that and brought that out of me but it's always stayed so I know it's something that's within me too it's not just an influential thing but um yeah so it was more about animals and plants and trees um rather than the planet itself and um in the corporate world there I I lost touch mm. you know really lost touch with that side of myself mm. because the corporate world is obviously driven by numbers mm. and mm -hmm. money you know mm. so you kind of just get lost in that although I was in human resources I was with, with people you yeah. know so I think maybe it just transferred to like just connecting with other people rather than animals and plants and stuff or the planet 
but it lost yeah it did it did and even though i've grown up by the sea hmm. i think i took it for granted you know that connection with the water i didn't i didn't appreciate it and so all the time that i was working you know in a corporate world yeah that was kind of it just wasn't it wasn't something that i really um gave much thought to yeah. actually it really did kind yeah. of fade out quite a lot would you say that your um your connection with people because you said maybe it transferred to connecting mm. with people you know, mm. working within human resources mm. but would you say that in some sense because that was also in the business environment i mean was that was there an exact transfer there or was it more like that you know those specific relationships are also being shaped by the business yeah, probably. kind of context in which you're in like yeah. even the the phrase human resources <laughs> yeah. like it's a particular way of looking at people as a resource rather than yeah a humanistic you know yeah. more full holistic <laughs> yeah. kind of um, no you're right <clears throat> I, but I, my my job was to kind of deal with people face to face okay a lot more yeah uh, i was part i led a, a kind there was any like two of us in the department but it was down to I would do a lot of the face-to-face stuff so I was on the road a lot I'd go around Mm. and there was a lot of connection you know yeah conversation rather than just being in an office and doing the paper side um although a lot of that was really negative (laughs) right really negative and like it was almost like conflict resolution yeah, so it was, dri- but and it was driven by trying to make a business as efficient as possible. Yeah, yeah. Not, not for any. There was no benevolence, really. Yeah. There was no. Yeah. It wasn't like they weren't driven by an ethic of caring of for caring their for the, yeah, yeah. You know, necessarily. Um, Would you say that's? Um, you can answer no to this question Mm. but would you say that because it sounds like you were you you were trying to carve out or you carved out a bit of a space Mm. within that which was a bit more relational and a bit more caring was that part of your your aim to do not consciously no no not consciously no no but I I just guess it was just my nature I think because I you know I work with just working with people yeah um And that was huge learning, mm-hmm. huge learning, you know, having to, you know, have tricky conversations with people and being able to listen and, yeah. you know, um, not be afraid of conflict, yeah. you know, mm. be able to stand in it and hear it, you know, and move through it and try and find resolution. Um, mm. But yeah, it was not driven by any kind of, yeah. <laughs> as I say, benevolence. Yeah. Really. Yeah. N- n- um, from the company. Yeah. Sure. You know. Sure. But I cared. Yeah. I cared definitely, um, and the business that I worked for that um, it wasn't um, there was no environmental kind of driver yeah. there. You know, it was a, so was there the, was nothing filtering into you to think about. No, no. Nurturing and, other. No, and it was a cleaning company, and <clears> so I there was I there was no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 The chemicals used and all yeah. of that would yeah. The the so the chemicals used were. They I think they they I, they weren't <clears> hazardous, <throat> but obviously they must. Yeah. They they you know. They, they weren't removed. chosen because of their environmental i think they had to tick some boxes okay. yeah yes yeah. but um you know back then recycling was not even the base you know the basics of just recycling yeah no i don't yeah. know you know this was in the early 2000s so yeah no it was not yeah. a focus no it was not a focus back then and i didn't even think about it either yeah didn't even think about it either yeah you know all the water being used and these chemicals were used a lot of the time to remove paint yes. or chewing gum and you know um driving around everywhere petrol yeah you know 
being yeah so just yeah. no electric vehicles it was all um very consuming very yeah. lot of consumption yeah sure you know sure yeah and and me too actually i got yeah. caught up in that yeah you know earning earning a good wage mm -hmm. you know being paid well yeah. you work hard but you're paid well yeah so what do you do well you spend money then don't you yeah you know that's that's the cycle that you mm -hmm. that i got stuck in really yeah and that's another thing you know that consumption back then personal consumption that was um quite bad yeah i would say yeah because when you're having the money you know yeah. it um it's there to be spent yeah you know alcohol clothes yeah holidays uh -huh. um meals out you know it's yeah just that kind of you know so it sounds like that you're looking in on that from slightly outside of that mm. now mm. um mm. so is that is that is that true would you say that you are in terms of like um mm. yeah her, uh, you know even what you flagged up as being kind of environmentally conscious things about like yeah driving and mm. and yeah the consumption and mm. clothes and mm. spending it spending money and, and mm. things like that um sounds like you're looking in on your life from yes, a different kind of place is that, is that maybe that's trying to just separate from me <laughs> yeah sure sure <laughs> yeah know, but i d i own it you know yeah. i'm not you know this is my story this is just what's led you know that yeah. part of my life led me to this part you know yeah. i have to own all of my story yeah and um you know i'm just just reflecting on that you know it just feels like a different world really mm. it feels like a completely different world yeah you know and um that version of myself is a part of me that makes me fully as i am today yeah you know so it's all those parts of me that are here now yeah. but um yeah i do feel like i look back on it because it does feel like a long time ago mm. as well mm. it feels like a really long time ago um and my perspective and my perception of stuff is so different now mm. Mm. it's so different now and um you know things change and i think um not having money actually teaches you even though not have because after after um i left the corporate world um and i was back at college training yeah you know i went back to cleaning mm -hmm. so just to try and get a bit of money to see me to see the family you know to make a contribution to just earning a bit of money for our family because at that point we had a son and a daughter and um, my husband was going through a transition with work as well. So we were yes. very unstable financially. Yeah. So although it was hard, there were some great lessons learned also in not having financial abundance. Yeah. And um, you start to see the waste. You start to mm. see what is necessary. You start to see what actually gives you joy. Mm. rather than the short quick fix mm -hmm. of what money can buy to give you joy mm. yeah you know so that was another catalyst actually in life that really changed my perspective was going through hard time financially right yeah yeah um and um yeah as i say it that brought around a huge new perspective yeah on um what money was there for right what what purpose was money how yeah. much money do you need uh -huh. you know so um that's another change a huge change now you know yeah huge change now to um my relationship with money how much money we need and um what it gets spent on really and what awareness of just not wanting to consume right <laughs> and yes. waste yeah and just be caught up yeah you know? Um, a lot of the things that we enjoy the most are probably this sounds so cliche it's terrible <laughs> but a lot of the things are free yeah you know or, or cheap yes you know just a shared bottle of wine that is really just 
yeah gorgeous with a little bit of, you know with a little bit of cheese or something yeah. you know yeah. um so yeah huge changes there we just don't need it we drive around in an old car and that's yeah. cool ideally we'd have an electric one you know yeah yeah but it's fine we're not caught up you know so there's quite finding found a lot of freedom actually yeah in that yeah so so the <clears throat> the challenges of having less money around mm. also in some ways forced you or caused you to prune out various things from your life and it sounds like from what you're saying that you don't have a lot of regret about those things that were pruned out because don't, actually no. yeah you found the stuff that really matters and really yeah makes you happy yeah um yeah so that's really interesting yeah that change of perception i suppose yeah um yeah. through that time yeah. yeah and how money serves you and the role it plays yes you know? um money the world we live in we we have to acknowledge money and we have to respect it and earn it you know yeah it's the world we, we you know living here we need to earn it you know you yeah. need a certain amount and uh yeah that's i'm just glad that i'm not um i'm just glad that i'm not where i was in terms of just needing to go and buy some clothes to feel better mm. for a day mm -hmm. or an hour you know mm. I don't need to do that anymore. I don't need to have a label to feel better about myself. Yes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I don't need to have a new outfit to feel good when I go out. I'm quite happy yeah. to just wear what I feel comfortable in or what I fancy wearing, you know. And it's yeah. those things, those trappings that I'm not I'm really glad I'm yeah, free yeah. of. Yeah. 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 So in some of your um, you described when you described your, your childhood mm. and you described that um, you had a sensitivity towards animals, many mm. pets, and mm. and you described your parents' influence as well in terms mm. of the fact that they were um, ecologically aware, like gardeners, mm. you know, might not have used that phrase, mm. but, um, you know, that they, they nurtured living things. Absolutely, and they, yeah. You know, were in awe of it and thrilled by it in some, some ways. Mm. Um, and... And if I'm getting the story right, that, you know, would you say that you lost some of those things during the corporate yeah. kind of years? Yeah. That yeah. sense of wonder yeah. and kind of, you know, those kind of things. Yeah, definitely. Because in those years, we lived in a flat as well. Yeah. So we didn't have any outside space. I did have house plants, but still, even that, I probably yeah. only have one or two. And as you can see now, I have plants <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Around yeah. Me. yeah. Um, so yeah, even that I lost, we lost that yeah, yeah too. So everything got dialed down. Yeah, connection. I feel personally for me, yeah, yeah, everything, anything kind of connected. Yeah. 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 And then you lost your friend, mm. and it caused you to stop and yeah. to think about you know where you were going and yeah. to change your direction and yeah. And then you changed your direction. And as a result of that, actually, you didn't have so much money around. Mm. But that was not necessarily a bad thing because no. it caused you to see mm. what was really valuable. Mm. I guess my question is like, you know, those that those senses which you kind of described in your childhood. Have you seen those things filter back into oh, your life? Absolutely. In various ways and in, in, in yeah. what ways? It, that... it, oh, in Ah, oh, countless ways. <clears throat> oh, it makes mm. me a bit emotional, actually. <laughs> <clears throat> I think um, <clears throat> the the way so um, training to become a Reiki practitioner initially um, just made me think about humans and how they connect, mm. um, and just you know how you know universally there is something that connects us all to the earth to each other mm. and um you know that triggered something that was the first kind of like oh okay wow okay what's yeah what's this and i still didn't my 
awareness did still didn't go immediately to the planet although yeah you know you do the things that everyone was doing you know you start recycling and mm. okay mm. yeah you know you start buying the cleaning products that aren't so damaging and you know those kinds of things mm. um but personally for me the the probably the biggest shift um back to that wide-eyed wonder um, and appreciation and care for um, environmental um, you know things like you know the water fire animals plants life yeah. was when I um, started the shamanic practitioner course mm. um, so sh shamanism is um, one of the oldest spiritual practices in the world if not the oldest and um shamans believe that everything has a spirit mm. it's called animism so there's you know the plants have a spirit mm. you know and just learning about this this spirit that things have mm you become so much more in tune with how that feels of what that looks like what it gives you what it can do mm. and um the training takes place in woods and so you're surrounded by trees and you're camping and there's no electricity you know it's there's no shower there's no running water mm. and you're in there with the elements and um you just start to become so aware of the power of water, you know, just mm. water, what it can do. You know, I'm not talking about just, you know, cleansing or powering something. I'm talking about, you know, the nature of water and how it can help you, how it mm. can heal you. You know, growing up, but if you go down to Hove or Brighton any morning, any season mm. <laughs> at the moment, mm. you'll see men and women, children swimming any season you know so they're picking up on the medicine that that water has to offer and the spirit of water yeah same with fire and um the air the wind just having pure air you know mm. when we go for a walk and you you know come home that and you say oh that's blowing the cobwebs out it does you know it does the mm -hmm. power of it it's healing mm. it's healing mm. and um you know the earth mother earth and you know how many times we hurt her and she's still there forgiving us still letting things grow still sucking stuff up you know yes. really having a different connection or having a connection not even a different connection but just yeah. growing a connection with the elements and learning about the power of a tree or you know a leaf or anything 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 um in our world and um on that course you just realize how much you take for granted mm. so being on the course i have a deep gratitude love and respect for the elements and the earth and all that it does for us and um all the beauty you know mm. all the beauty and i see you know i see the damage that we do and as humans it's something that i had never felt before mm. you know um how things are taken for granted how things are wasted you know like um and how things are damaged and yeah when you when you when you're a shamanic practitioner i'm not fully there yet i've still got a few more treatments to do but i'm almost there and when you when you when you're in a healing, you're connecting with the power of these elements, mm. and 
you you just realize they only want to help you mm-hmm. and um having a big build starting to build a relationship with the earth with these living things with the elements with the seasons you um you just you don't want them to be hurt anymore yeah that sounds but it's almost like they become personified yeah they have a spirit they have you know and you you kind of get to feel how they fit you you get to you get to know them yeah in a way does that i know that sounds really crazy not at all um so so you said a, a, a couple of times there that you you know if you know, you see kind of damage that is mm. done to humans mm. or to the earth mm. and and that you you feel that in mm. a way. Can you can you put a word to that feeling? What kind of feeling is that mm. when you probably a, sh- a deep shame, mm. actually, and um, a grief, grief, actually. Yeah, a real grief and a shame yeah because we just pillage mm. i feel not you know generally um i know things are changing um but i feel really privileged to be able to to have been able to learn what i've learned and um i don't take it lightly i don't take it lightly you know when i'm when i'm doing a shamanic healing or if i'm involved in a ritual or shamanic ceremony you know i'm i'm so 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 grateful to be there and super honored and privileged and all those things that you know with that comes that sense of responsibility as Mm. well Mm. to want to care and conserve and um yeah and 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 a weight of yeah of, of of wanting to respect what we have yeah you know yeah so yeah it's hard it's it is hard when you kind of think about the choices that i've probably made before or um which weren't so ethically conscious but you know mm. so would you say in some way uh, i mean perhaps this is not right for me to make the connection but um would you say that some of those ways of perceiving uh, the world and other things, other plants, other mm. other animals, and you know the earth itself, that would you say that that is something new to you over these last few years, or would you say that somehow those kind of sensitivities and sensibilities were present to you in your childhood in some way yeah they were definitely present yeah absolutely I, I i think i always had an appreciation of their beauty yeah but as a child i would pick a flower mm. um because i want you know i'd mm. pick that flower or i'd pull the leaves off the bush yeah do you know what i mean and <clears throat> now um i respect a tree or mm. a plant so it's like another layer it's uh, that that first base layer was there yeah and i just feel like i've added to that with learning what i have because that i've it's not mine to take mm. i feel like the, that flower is not mine to take mm. uh, you know and the water is not just mine to take mm-hmm. you know there needs to be almost almost an exchange you know like in shamanism we we taught or you know my teachers taught me to the value of offerings we call them offerings so if you take if you take anything you you need to give something in return yeah you know so if i do go for a sea swim i know the medicine that that water can give me yeah so I make sure that I'll leave an offering, a coin or some, yeah. a flower or something as an exchange. Sure. Because I just don't want to, because I I, I acknowledge what I get, you know. Yes. Even um, 
you know, I, I can't give cut flowers anymore either. Right, yeah. You know, I just, well, I do, I do, but it's like even that feels like I've taken something. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, I, there's another, I, and as a child, I wasn't, I wouldn't kind of, um, I would, I wouldn't, I didn't think about the planet as such or the ozone. No. You know, it wasn't. Yeah. Even we were taught it edu- in in an educational kind of sense in school, but it wasn't yeah. like it didn't hit me. No. In the heart, you know, it didn't land. But now, yeah, it it does. It does. And don't get me wrong. I need. There's a lot more that I need to be doing, but I just feel like. Um, I've got a different, mm, mm, I just feel differently about it. Yeah. You know, I'm, yeah. the gratitude. I think when I was a child, that was probably what was missing. I, I wasn't grateful for what I could see. Okay. Or have. Yeah. You know, I didn't realise how precious it was. Yeah. Or the medicine behind it either. Yeah. You know, the medicine behind mm. a fire. Yes. Or the water. Yeah. Or wind, you know, mm. um, or an animal, you know, the medicine yeah. in holding a rabbit and what the rabbit's doing for you. Yes. Or a guinea pig, you know, or seeing yeah. a bird in flight, how there's medicine in that. Yeah. And now I'm, I can, you know, I look around and yeah, I just filled with um, how everything really just wants to help us. Mm-hmm. I really feel that. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. really feel that, yeah. you know, everything wants to help us. The plants, the, the elements, the trees, they, they want to help the plant animals, you know. Yeah. They all want to help us. Yeah. And I just feel that I wish that was reciprocal, you know. Reciprocal? Or that was... Um, what's the word? That was met. That was. The other people felt the same. Yeah, that that was the same for them. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. 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 So, um, so I'm wondering as well whether um, there's something about. Sorry, I'm. It's. Yeah, I find it interesting this thing about the child and Mm. the adult, Mm. and I'm wondering whether one of the things about a child is that the child can um, sense things in a very immediate way Mm. about the world but also there's a kind of natural egocentrism about the child the child doesn't necessarily appreciate the broader context beyond the eye beyond beyond themselves you know and it's just interesting I guess the image that I'm getting as you're talking is that some of those sensitivities and sensibilities of childhood you know mm. they're very there they're very vibrant in childhood yeah but it's actually only in adulthood that they come to maturity yeah. and they actually gain a deeper perspective through the eye being put to one side that you know, is not so egocentric yeah absolutely um, yeah as yeah. a child i never oh i did sometimes plant flowers <clears throat> but um you know, I love gardening now and I love seeing things grow and I wouldn't have had that yeah. as a child. I didn't yes. really have that as a child. Yeah. You know, it was, as as you say, it was more like that instant, like a gratification, yes. I think. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> although with animals, oh, my days, when if I lost a pet, I had to have the day off school. Right. <laughs> I was absolutely bereft. Yes. Yeah, yes. I was bereft. But... Um, yeah and as a child did you feel or were you given responsibility for your pets yeah 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 you you were the one looking oh, after yeah, them oh yeah i had to clean yeah. them out and yeah 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 that was my job yeah yeah definitely and i think that that probably <clears throat> made my connection with them stronger yeah because i was their carer you know yeah mm. um and do you think that um i guess i'm just trying to you know, make a few connections here really yeah. but do you think that the process of um 
becoming a parent and being a parent has reshaped your I guess I'm thinking of this kind of shift from the child as being naturally egocentric and then there's various things in life which happen to us that cause cause us to have to decenter you know yeah. it's not all, it's not, it's not about us bit. you know yeah. it's about yeah a child yeah. Or, or you know children caring for others around you um would you say that that's contributed at all to that kind of move being a parent yeah hmm yeah 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 i de yeah definitely i think um well that's a big one jamie <laughs> You don't have to agree. You might think it no, hasn't. So, no, I, yeah. Yeah, I think um, for me personally, becoming a mum was actually really quite just real world stuff. Mm. And um, I think also because our daughter, she's our eldest child, she was only six months old when my husband got made redundant. Mm. So there was a big shift and actually, I became a mum um, while I was still very much in that corporate world. Mm. And and for my husband to have been made redundant was still very much about money then, mm. you know, because he was earning good money. So it was still very much, you know, becoming parents, we were still very much in the money kind of mindset. Mm. Interesting. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a few years later it was a few years later not many years later but my daughter was um about four years old yeah when things started to shift for me so probably mm. yeah from there but you know um i think the more i have a connection with um the elements with you know nature um the more they do mm. you know yeah. and um yeah i but i wouldn't say that actually motherhood was a huge catalyst mm. for me yeah no i think the external drivers were too great still mm -hmm. at that time the external yeah. influences of being part of the needing, corporate world yeah and money, needing to be financially secure, financially secure. having children yeah. we were like okay we need to be financially secure okay that's you know really so um yeah yeah it wasn't it wasn't it was it was rather than birth it was death yeah that shifted yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. um yeah i and it's strange because although my brother and sister they love you know they've got a fondness for animals they they weren't quite to the extent that i was you know so i just wonder yeah it's just what mm. what was in us mm. you know what's in us who we are maybe but um so i have a question yeah. about um so you've described really um beautifully um a radical kind of change in your perception yeah. and in your it's exactly the oh. kind of thing that i'm interested in exploring in terms of a sensibility you know that's your ways of perceiving the world, of sensing the world, of feeling the world. And um, and so, and you, you've described how, you know, that's re related to the shamanism mm. and to, um, to, you know, animism mm. and, and, and these, you know, descriptions or, or perceptions of, you know, plants and other things having spirits so could you describe um a little bit how i mean this may be an impossible question to answer but you know have you been present with another organic being mm -hmm. <laughs> and kind of um you know felt its spirit and how would you if you have how would you describe could you describe that spirit or what shape it kind of takes like if you're 
standing next to a huge oak tree or something like that and you you know is there is there any way that you can describe there was something along those lines when on the first weekend um, of our training we went into the these woods um and we were uh, put into pairs and um uh i was blindfolded one of the pair was blindfolded and the other person would lead the blindfolded person to a tree they mm. weren't allowed to touch the tree mm-hmm. just had to stand in front of a tree and within this forest within this wood there's a combination of different trees like you have huge scots pine which have got like a, a, you know a solid um big trunk that just shoots straight up to the sky and you have hazels which have been coppice so they just sprout out and there's lots and lots and lots of branches that mm. come and you have um, the odd oak here and there so there are different real different trees you've got holly bushes and stuff and um this is the first weekend that we'd been in the woods so we were all very skeptical and like yeah. oh what are we doing but i stood in front of this tree and i could just i might i was blindfolded and i couldn't touch it so i couldn't feel the bark but you could i could just feel um and just sit it i could just sense that it was an old tree that it was you know really strong and it was broad and you know it felt powerful and um and it was a scots pine and then i was led over to another scots pine and uh you could feel it was the same i was like no Mm -hmm. that's the same you know Mm. And then I went on and, and then it was um, um, a hazel tree. And I just said, oh, I just feel like they, you can just sense, you could just, I could sense that this hazel tree was sad. Mm. And it, but I can, you can feel the shape of it. You could almost sense the type of energy it had. So with the Scots pine, it was solid and strong and I could, you know, it was mm. rigid and powerful. And with the hazel, it was, you could feel that the energy kind of came off as in the way that the branches did. But I could also just feel like it was sad. There was a sadness mm. and it had been damaged. It had been, it was kind of misshapen and something had prevented it from kind of growing fully and mm. you could feel that. Mm. And when we took our blind and, and and everyone in the group got it, everyone was able to describe this tree. Right. Everyone picked up on it. Yeah. And it's so something that we've all got this innate ability to do. Mm. We just don't, just don't. It's not part of our lives. It's yeah. not part of our normal yeah. activity, is it? To connect mm. with a tree in that way, to see a tree, to feel a tree. Mm. You know. So that was incredible, and that that blew my mind. That blew my mind, and um, yeah. So also, when I'm doing like a shamanic healing, I'll call in, um, I'll connect with certain trees. I've got certain trees that um, I've built. I'm trying to build a relationship with. Or I'm building mm. a relationship with. And you can call in that energy. It's 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 just being allow. It's allowing yourself to just drop in, really drop down, mm. and just allow the skepticism and the fog and your um, embarrassment to just melt away, really. Yes. And just drop down, and so it's different for everybody. Um, some people struggle with like a. An imagination or yeah. um, having a visual when they close their eyes that's yeah. really difficult for a lot of people but I think um, if you just stop and touch a tree or just allow yourself to be around it you'll feel yes. it you'll feel how trees feel differently yeah yeah you know? and even a plant in your garden if you just sit and be with it and just allow yourself to kind of sense you know your instinct your heart to just open up to it you'll feel it and then you'll go and sit with a different kind of tree or plant and you'll feel differently. Mm. You'll feel something different from that. So it's just, you know, allowing yourself to drop down underneath 
away from being embarrassed yeah. and just, you know, really just dropping in or dropping out, however you want to put it, you know. And um, it's there for everybody. It's there for everybody, you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Absolutely. It's fascinating. And yeah. that, I mean, I think that, um, yeah, this, I mean, it, this really, really relates to a lot of the stuff that I'm really interested in, in terms of, um, well, how I've explored before in terms of religious, what we call religious sensibilities as well. Um, in, but at the heart of it is really, I think, a kind of a questioning of, of what we are as human beings and what we are capable of, yeah. of what we what we are capable of perceiving and of you know that and in a lot of the work that I've done you know has been questioning the notion of the kind of senses that we that we have um, and perhaps suggesting actually that we as humans have um, vastly extended senses that you know maybe we can perceive things which which we don't you know necessarily think we can or that yeah. we don't perceive within the rhythms of everyday life yeah, or or for various understand. reasons or we don't yeah. understand you know yeah. and so and I see no reason why we should not hold that open as a possibility Absolutely. you know that yeah. um yeah. I, I still remain yeah. skeptical it's really <clears throat> weird like even with doing Reiki years ago I would pick up stuff and I'd open my eyes and be like no no or you know with the tree the example of the tree that I just gave you there's a part of me that still has some skepticism because it yeah. blows my mind yeah. yeah and I think that's actually quite healthy because then you still mm. feel a wonder you get mm. you still retain that wonder you know but um I don't know yeah it is yeah it, yeah it's there it's there Although sometimes I do think I'm going mad. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that it reminds me of, because uh, yesterday I was reading uh, with my youngest son, I was reading um, the BFG. Aww. And so, and there's that wonderful passage w which we were reading yesterday, the chapter where the BFG um, is talking about his ears mm. and he's describing what he hears um, to the little girl um, with, with these amazing ears. And he can basically, his senses are so mm. intense and acute that he can hear, um, you know, the f footsteps of caterpillars and he can hear, mm. um, you know, spiders yeah. talking to each other. Yeah. Um, but he also, and this is what reminded me, he also describes that he can hear plants screaming when they're being mm. cut and yeah. things like that. So, which yeah. reminded me when you were saying about cut flowers. Yeah. And things like that. I get it. So, you know, I ruled Dahl knew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he knew, you know, and, the, you know, you, you get that. And I, I can't bear it. Like when I see, you go to someone's house and you see a plant that's doesn't like a lot of light that's been burnt in mm. a bright window, you know. Mm. But it, you know, but I, I feel that. Yeah. You know, and I, but we're not all there mm. we're not all there and um i had a price to pay also you know losing somebody mm. was it was this horrible well I was a doorway to this mm. and i accept that you know that's the way it happened and i have to be grateful for that weirdly mm. you know mm. um but even like the sunlight and fire and you know all those things i'm st i'm so grateful this time of year you know we're coming up to the shortest day and i'm so aware of the light mm. i'm so aware of like not having long days and you know the summer nights with the light and all that even it, you know very becoming in tune with that as well mm. Mm. and being grateful for the slow time 
to slow, to rest, you know, to be dormant, mm. you know, and just being aware of the seasons and just trying to live with the seasons and not go against them, you know. Yes. Yeah, that kind of thing, living your life with the planet yeah. in that sense as mm. well, you know. It's not always easy to do because Brighton's incredible, really, mm. because there is so much diversity, huge connection to other people and awareness of the planet and of each other and you know mm. and lots of love but there is lots of money <laughs> as mm -hmm. well and mm. lots of consumerism too mm. so even you know with how i now see a lot of stuff my new perspective on things you can easily still just get drawn into old habits mm. still um But on the whole, you know, it is coming back. You can come back to this and it's always here and you can rely on it, which is lovely. You know, that feeling of trusting in something. Mm. And I have that now. I like a trust. I can trust in... Trust in... What do I trust in? <laughs> Trusting that there's always going to be a medicine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, always a medicine for something. Yeah, and that there's something bigger than yeah. oneself, whatever that is. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. You know, and actually, this that this world isn't the only one. Mm. I feel you know that's another belief. Um. And. Yeah, you know, I've I've been able to kind of sit back a little bit, although I'm do feel a lot of shame sometimes with with what we can do with what damage we can do and we mentioned that earlier i i do have a huge sense of trust now actually as mm. well mm. trusting that everything is exactly as it should be mm. I, I do believe that you mm. know i trust that this is how everything is exactly as it should be right now mm -hmm. you know and that things will be okay mm. there's a huge peace that i find with mm. that and a calm mm. which is very welcome yeah yeah